Hey, good morning. My name is Steve Polk, executive pastor here at First Baptist Rock Hill. We're so glad you chosen to join us today online uh, for this message. You know, there are this is a time of year we're recording this where kids are wrapping up the end of the school year. College students have just finished uh, their finals and are home uh, for the summer. Our high school students are getting ready for their uh, final exams and finishing out another school year. So it's really a great time to talk about examination. And so today our pastor is going to talk about an examined life from Psalm 26. And it's really important, though it's not always fun, that we have exams. We have exams to find out what we've learned, what we, um, where we need to grow, things, areas of improvement. Uh, and on the other side of the coin, it's always important to have a physical exam. So we go to the doctor to get our blood checked and all of the vitals and all of those things checked so we know what we need to do in the coming year to improve our physical well-being. So whether we're being tested in our uh, intellectual pursuits or in our physical well-being, those exams are important. Well, it's also true spiritually. So today we're going to take an examination of ourselves spiritually through the eyes of God. So turn, go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and a notepad. Turn to Psalm 26 and get ready for our pastor to come uh, to share this very encouraging and challenging message with us today. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your Word is both challenging and encouraging and that today we can even uh, look through the lens of Scripture for an examination. So we can rightly understand where we are in life, areas that we need to grow in, and how we need to change to, to conform to your image, to be more like you, to be who you call us to be in this crazy world that we live in. We thank you for loving us, Lord, enough to give us scripture to grow us, to help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Like uh, many of you, I'm on a low dosage blood pressure pill because a few years ago my blood pressure was elevated and it's pretty normal now, but I take that pill every day. And I imagine there are many of you who are watching this, you, you're on a blood pressure pill as well because we know that if you let your blood pressure get out of control, it can be very dangerous. But uh, people in the medical medical field, has, they've not always taken blood pressure seriously. In fact, it hasn't been that long ago that it was considered a non-issue for the most part. And uh, there was, for, for example, there was a man named Frank who in 1937, not that long ago, 1937, he was 54 years old and diagnosed with high blood pressure. Uh, it was 162 over 98, and at that time they considered that mild, not very severe, didn't do any treatment of any kind. Three years later, things had uh, not improved. His blood pressure was 180 over 88. A year after that, in 1941, his blood pressure was 188 over 105, so that bottom number had elevated, and they told him to, to cut back on how many cigarettes he was uh, smoking. And then another three years pass, it's 1944, and he has a series of small strokes, and they put him on a low-salt diet. His blood pressure kept climbing the next year. In April of 1945, he complained one morning of a severe headache, and when they checked his BP, it was 300 over 190. That morning, he lost consciousness, and that afternoon, he died at the age of 63. This Frank was none other than Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the 32nd president of our country. And because blood pressure was not considered a serious issue, heart issues were not considered as serious then as they are today, he died probably younger than he would have otherwise. 
Unrecognized problems can be deadly. Ignoring problems can be very, very risky and dangerous. And we know that's true in our physical lives or when it comes to our health. It's also true in our relationships. So many couples end up divorcing because they ignore the problems along the way till it gets so bad they think the only alternative is to end the marriage. But it's equally true, brothers and sisters, that spiritual problems, spiritual weakness, spiritual sickness, Negative issues in your relationship with Jesus Christ, sickness in your relationship with Christ that you may not be aware of or you sort of know it's there, but you ignore it is a dangerous thing. And that's why God tells us to to examine ourselves. I mean, we, we go to the doctor. Recently, I had my annual physical Many of us, most of us do that. And I I encourage you, especially some of you stubborn men listening to me right now who don't like to go to the doctor, an annual physical is an important thing. But we also need to have a regular spiritual checkup, if you will. And that's what I want to talk about in today's message that I've titled, An Examine Life. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms. We're reading Psalms right now in our Bible reading plan at First Baptist. And chapter 26, Psalm 26 is where I'd like you to open your Bible this morning. It's been said that Socrates came up with the statement that he wrote this, An unexamined life, listen to this, An unexamined life is not worth living. Wow. Well, God says over and over in the Bible, over and over in his word, that we are to examine ourselves, take a look, a hard, honest look at our lives inwardly and outwardly, and let him show us what's really there. So look at what he says in Psalm 26, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation, the Bible says this, Vindicate me, or your Bible may say, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. And here's the key verse, verse 2, brothers and sisters. He says, Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. Look at that again. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind, and my heart. God, give me a spiritual exam, a spiritual uh, checkup. And this is just one of many places in God's word where he says having a spiritual exam, a spiritual checkup is important. And, And my question to you right now is, do you have a regular spiritual checkup? Do you allow God to perform on you a regular spiritual exam and show you the reality of your spiritual health or your spiritual sickness? In the book of Psalms, Psalm 139, 23, and 24, the psalmist said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. In the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul in chapter 13, verse 5, said it this way. He said, test yourselves. 
Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Wow. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. And then in another place, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, he said, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, if, if you think you're something when you're nothing, he deceives. You deceive yourself. But each one, each of us, he says, must examine his own work, our own work. We must be willing with the help of Almighty God to take an honest look at our lives, at our faith, at our devotion, at our commitment, at our obedience, at our holiness, at our godliness, at our Christ-likeness, at do we have the fruit of the Spirit exhibited in our day-to-day lives. Jesus, our Lord, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, said this, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Why do you look at the speck in everybody else's eye? You see what's wrong with everybody else, but you don't see the sickness in your own soul, your own heart, your own decision-making, your own living. It's as though Jesus is saying, you need a self-examination. You need a spiritual checkup. So I want us to take a few moments and walk through Psalm 26 and allow the Holy Spirit to take God's word and speak to our hearts and perhaps give us a spiritual exam. How about you pray right now? There where you are, in your home, at work, in your car, wherever you're listening or watching this message, pray. Holy Spirit, give me a spiritual checkup right now. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you and give you permission. I invite you to do an examination of my life and my heart and my relationship with my Lord and Savior right now. So let's look again at verse 1 of chapter 26. He says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. It's interesting. The word translated integrity in our English Bible comes from the Hebrew word that means completeness or fullness, if you will. The the Latin word integratus means to be unified or a whole. And the idea is that the inner me and the outer me match. That the inner me and the outer me, the, the, the way I am on the inside, what I think and what I feel and what I claim and what I profess and what I think about myself matches what is on the outside, my decisions, my language, my behavior, my action, the way I live. And it, and it, and it forms a complete whole. There's an integration. There's, there's an integration between the two that, that what I believe matches how I actually live that what I think about myself actually resembles what other people think of me, especially those who are not followers of Christ, that there's there's not a gap between the two. There's not a gap between the inside and the outside, between what I think and what I actually do, what I think of myself and what others think of me. There's not a gap because I'm a, I'm a total, I'm a whole, I'm a complete, I have integrity. That's what integrity is, is that the outer you matches the inner you. It's interesting. There was a national survey uh, recently, and, and, and part of it listed a, a large number of characteristics and asked the people taking the survey, indicate each of these characteristics that you tend to associate on a, on a normal basis. You, you associate with Christians as a whole. 
And it's really interesting. They had several categories and several characteristics. And, and, and I, was, I was caught by how we who are evangelicals, those of us who believe the word of God and we've been saved through the grace and blood of Jesus Christ and we, we are committed to the Lord, how we see ourselves compared to how people who are not religious see Christians as a whole. And one of the characteristics was honesty. Honesty and evangelicals, people like you and me, said when we think about Christians, 60% of us think for the most part Christians are honest, but the not religious, only 7% of them think we're honest. Huge gap. Are we loving? Is that a characteristic we normally associate with Christians, with God's people? Those of us who are conservative, Bible-believing, evangelical, 72% of us said, 7 out of 10 of us said, we think God's people, Christians, for the most part, are loving. But the non-religious, only 11%, only 1 out of 10 view us as actually being loving. Another characteristic is Hypocrisy. Are we hypocritical? And people like us, evangelicals, only 12%, only 1 out of 10 think that Christians for the most part are hypocrites. And yet when it came to the non-religious, 55%, almost 6 out of 10 lost people when they think of Christians think of hypocrites. Another characteristic was judgmental. Are we judgmental? And when it comes to evangelicals like me and like many of you listening to this, only 12% of us, 1 out of 10, think that for the most part Christians are judgmental. But the non-religious, over half, 5 out of 10, think we are very judgmental. In other words, there is this huge integrity gap. There is this gap between how we see ourselves and how people who are not religious See us. What we think about ourselves and what people who don't know Jesus think about us. Now, some of that gap is to be expected. But the gap is too big to be explained away as simply to be expected. There's more to it. There, there, there's an inconsistency in too many people who go to church and wear the name Jesus and say they're saved and they're Christians. There's too big a gap between what we say and feel and think on the inside and how we actually live and treat people on the outside. And the world sees the gap. And it's not a good witness, a good look for the church of Jesus Christ. The only way you and I can see clearly ourselves is through the eyes of God. We need God's help. And so he begins in verse 1 by saying, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. In other words, he said, I, I think I have integrity, wholeness, that, that the inside matches the outside, the outside matches the inside, that I'm the real deal. I think so, but God, I need you. I need you to vindicate, or it could be translated judge. God, I, I, I need you to take a look at me. I, I need you to evaluate me and judge me and show me if I'm really living Right. God, will you judge me, evaluate me, and see if what I profess matches what I do? If what I think about me matches how I actually live? And so other people, when they look at me, they say, yeah, Steve, 
You're not perfect, but you, you're the real deal. God, I, I need you to help me. I need you to help me have an honest evaluation and an honest look because I don't want to be a person who has that kind of big gap in my life. That is exactly what he's talking about in verse 1. And, and then in, in verse 2, what, what he says is, God, I want your approval. So, so much. God, I am so hungry to be, to be, have integrity to, to, to on the outside match what is on the inside. God, that is my desire and my passion and my goal. And because of that, Lord, I submit myself to your spiritual examination. Look at verse two. He says, examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. Those three words in verse 2, examine me, try me, test me. Translated different ways and different translations. Three different Hebrew words, all meaning essentially the same thing. It's as though he is saying, God, I want you to put me on trial. God, put me on the witness stand and cross-examine me as hard as you can. God, get your private investigators, get the police and investigate me. And Lord, see if I hold up under your scrutiny. God, as you cross-examine me and look into my life and the connection between the outer me and the inner me, scrutinize me, God. And my prayer and my heart cry is that I pass the test, that I'm found to be faithful to you, God investigate all of me. He says in verse 2, my mind and my heart. And those two Hebrew words are similar in meaning but have some slight variation. What he's really getting at there is, God, I give you permission to investigate me and cross-examine me in your courtroom when it comes to my emotional being and my intellectual being. In other words, my thoughts and my reasoning and my decision-making as well as my emotions and how I react in various situations. God, I may think one way, but God, do I emotionally react in agreement with what I think? God, check it out. Check it out. In those hard moments of life, do my emotional responses match what I intellectually say I believe in who I am? God, dig deep in me and see what is really there and show it to me. Show me my thoughts and my motives, my actions and my attitudes. God, do I really have integrity, spiritual health, the inside and the outside matching one another? Is the total me, God, who I say I am or is there a gap? There's a humorous story about a police officer pulling over a, a driver one day and ask for his license and registration and the driver said what's wrong officer i didn't run a stop sign and i know i wasn't speeding and the police officer said no you weren't but uh, but but I, I saw you waving your fist as you passed that woman on the right side because she was in the passing lane driving slow and you had to go by her on the inside and you and you you shook your fist at her and the officer said i, I noticed that your face was flushed and, and angry when you, you shouted at the driver of that truck who cut you off. And, 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 and I saw you pounding on your steering wheel with your 
fist when the traffic came to a stop at that bridge over the, the, the river. And, and, and the driver said, but is that a crime? And the police officer said, no, but, but when I saw the, the bumper sticker on your car that said, Jesus loves you and so do I, I just assumed the car had been stolen, so I pulled you over. That's, that's in a sense what he's talking about here. The emotional me, does it match what I claim, what I say, my reaction, my response? When I make decisions, is, 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 are, they, are those decisions in congruence with the word of God that I say I believe and that I'm committed to? Think of, think of God as the, the police officer who is seeing what we really, really do and who we really, really are. And, and, and the truth is, it's hard for me to see myself accurately. Now, I, I know all of us know that we're sinners and we're not perfect. But brothers and sisters, the truth is we have blind spots. And we have a tendency as human beings, even as Christians, if we're not careful, if we're not staying really, really close to Jesus, we have a tendency to lie to ourselves. And in God's word, he tells us in Psalm 19, verse 12, who can discern his errors? Who among us is men and women can actually discern and know the truth about our errors, our sins, our mistakes? He says, equip me of Hidden faults, those things that are buried in there and, and I'm oblivious to them or, or maybe just see them a little bit, but uh, I try my best to ignore it and not deal with it. The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament in chapter 17 verses 9 and 10 of his prophecy said the heart, listen to this, the heart is more deceitful than all else. He said, there's nothing that is deceitful in a person's life as is his own or her own heart. He says, it is desperately sick or desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And then he adds, I, the Lord, this is God speaking now. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. I need, you need God to search me on the inside and the outside and see if there is congruence, see if there is agreement, or is there a gap? And when God examines me and he examines you, there are certain things he's looking for. One, he's looking to see if our life is shaped by him and by his truth. The way we respond to the circumstances of life is that response, influence, shaped by him and his word, his truth. Look in Psalm 26 with me again, starting at verse 3. He says, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. It's like you're walking and your, your eyes are focused on something in front of you. And the author says, my eyes are focused on your love, God, on your hesed, your your covenant love, your loving kindness, God, that is my focus. And because I keep my eyes on you and your love, that is influencing me, shaping me. And so there is growing in my heart and in my life, Christ-likeness. There is growing in me the fruit of the Spirit. And while I am not perfect, I tend to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. The definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, the nature and the character and the Spirit and the demeanor of Jesus Christ because I'm keeping my eyes on the love of Almighty God. 
He goes on to say, I have walked at the end of verse 3 in your truth. Walk is a picture for living, how you go about life. And the the problem is if, if we are not intentional about living, walking in accordance with the truth of God, the word of God, if we don't examine ourselves and see if there is a connection between the truth of God and how I am living day to day, then we end up living an aimless life that typically ends up with sin and shame and heartache. He continues... He continues by saying in verse 4, I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembling of evildoers in verse 5, and I will not sit with the wicked. In other words, God, I don't want to be shaped by, influenced by the culture and the people of this culture. I want to be influenced and shaped by your love and your truth, your word and your presence, God, not the presence of people in this Culture and whatever I'm dealing with in life, whatever whatever my challenges, whatever I'm I'm facing, God, as I go through it, as I live, as I walk, your word, your truth, your love, let that shape my heart and my life, not the culture. That's one of the things God is going to look at when He gives you a spiritual examination. What is shaping you? What 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 shapes and influences how you deal with things in your life, a life shaped by him, not the crowd. I remember I remember many years ago when I was a younger pastor and our church, First Baptist Rock Hill, was still located downtown. We had a gymnasium and it was a winter month and it was the church basketball league. And I had an early afternoon wedding, so I was wearing my robe that I sometimes wear when people want me to for a wedding. And the wedding was over, so I walked down to the gym at our church to watch some of the basketball game. And I don't remember if it was a children's, older children's game or a teenager youth game. I, I don't remember. But I remember at one point, because, you know, the stands, the bleachers were filled with parents and, you know, family members and so on watching the kids play. And I, and I remember it was getting out of hand. All of these parents, they're at a church league basketball game shouting and yelling at the referees because they didn't like this call and they didn't like that call. And, and they were just saying things that were inappropriate and they were, they were abusing the refs. And I remember at one point in the second half with my, with my robe on after having done that wedding, I walked over to the referees and stopped the game. And then I faced the bleachers and all the parents and all the family members and I explained to them. I explained to them what they were doing and why it was wrong. And even though this is a gym, it's still God's house. And God's people don't act like this. And I challenged them to stop. And in fact, I went so far to say that if they did not quiet down and stop abusing the refs, I would empty the gym of all the parents, empty the gym of all the relatives, and the kids would continue the game without any fans in the gym. It is a shame. It is a disgrace. It is unconscionable that any pastor, any preacher would ever have to do that. And yet I've seen so many of God's people at ballparks, ball games, and other public gatherings lose their cool and act like anything but Jesus Christ. 
And God says when he examines you, he's going to look to see, is there a consistency on the outside when you're at the ball game, when you're at that work party, when you're at that neighborhood party? Is there a consistency between what you do on the outside in those situations when you are in your dating life, when you're dealing with marital issues? God's going to examine you and say, is there a consistency on the outside with how you're acting and thinking and talking and making decisions in those moments? Is there a consistency? Is there is there a correlation between the outside then and what on the inside you think about yourself and you claim for yourself and you profess for yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ? Is there integrity? If there's integrity, if there is spiritual integrity, there is a connection between a consistency between what you claim and feel and say and think on the inside and how you act on the outside. In your daily life. Now, we're going to be perfect at it? No. And when God examines us, and sometimes he's going to come back and say, you've got a spiritual sickness. Just like a doctor comes and says, hey, Steve, years ago, you, you need, we need to put you on blood pressure meds. What do you do when God says you've got a spiritual sickness? When, when God gives you that spiritual exam and he shows you something in your life, how, how, how do you deal with it? Do you, do you ignore it? Or do you repent? Now, I'm not asking you if you confess because confession is part of repentance. But if all you do is confess, that's not enough. Confession is part of repentance. Repentance means I confess the sin and I turn from it. I change. Repentance means there's a brokenness. There's contrition. And I ask God's forgiveness. And I turn from the sin. What do you do? And God shows you something during the spiritual exam. One more thing, and I'll wrap this up. When God gives us that spiritual exam, he's also looking for sincere and faithful worship with his people at the church. Psalm chapter 26, verses 6 through 8. He says, I shall wash my hands in innocence. God, I, it's a picture of, God, I want to be forgiven. I want to be innocent. I want to be not hypocritical. I want to have spiritual integrity. And I will go about your altar, O Lord. See, the altar is where you get right with God. The altar is where you repent of your sin. The altar is where you turn from your sin. When was the last time you were on your face or knees at the altar of God? He says in verse 7, That I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders, because there is real joy in your life when you worship him and in worship repent and are healed and forgiven. Verse 8, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Then down at the end of verse 12, in the congregation, I shall bless the Lord. How consistent are you in showing up at God's house to worship him with his people? How consistent? I would imagine many of us, if we actually looked at our calendar and counted up how many Sundays out of a year we're in God's house worshiping him, we would be surprised to know that many of us are not there nearly as much as we think we are. Will you let God show you the truth about your worship? The result of a spiritual exam and making the corrections, 
repenting, making the corrections, is stability in life. At the beginning of verse 12, he says, my foot stands on a level place. It's the picture of standing on level ground, which is so much safer (laughs) than uneven ground. God wants you to live a good life, one of integrity where the inside and the outside match. And he'll help you do that if you'll let him give you a spiritual exam. And the result will be you won't trip yourself up and fall because of your own sinful choices. God will give you stability like living and walking on level ground. I believe that's what you want. Take a day. Take a weekend. Get along with God in his word, a journal. Do a spiritual retreat. Invite mature believers who know you and that you know love you to speak into your life truth. Do a spiritual exam and let God show you how you can get healthier because you don't want to stay spiritually sick. God bless you. I'll see you next week.